Welcome to Applesauce, episode number two. Today's show has yours truly. I'm Joe Darnell, and my co-host is returning, Mr. Lee Peterson. Hi, Joe. Good afternoon, Lee. Good evening for me across the pond. It's good to uh, good to be back. Feels like it's only a week ago since we talked last time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a late afternoon here. What time is it there? It's uh, 10 to 10. That is so cool. I love time travel. This is a sci-fi podcast. <laughs> We are going to talk about uh, something else back in time. We missed the discussions that were very hot and interesting last week about the iPhone's 10th anniversary. And I I thought we should go back and discuss it. And you did too. Definitely. Yeah, it's a big uh, year, really, for for Apple, you know, 2007, a long time ago now. We were both a lot younger at different jobs, I'd imagine. If we're not at different jobs now, Lee, then we need to get our life together. That was, let's see, uh, more than 10, almost 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah it was 10 it years was 10 ago. Years what am ago. I talking about? Yeah. <laughs> wow, it's 2017. I was working at, I think, yeah, I was working at my first really good desk job when this happened. What was your job then? I was... Uh... I was in, I think, maybe my third job after uh, university. Being, uh, I was a programmer back back, back in back then. Huh. So uh, I was a coder. Yeah. Were you working mostly on web development or on applications? Database, oh, database okay. developer. Yeah, database development is my background, and still is. I mean, I still do. I still work with databases, but not not in the development side of things anymore. But. I was working at my second really decent graphic design job, but I was also in a department that was responsible for audio and video. So I was the call taker for a live broadcast for a show in the States here that was on the, on Saturdays. And then eventually uh, throughout the week, I guess this time, at this time when the keynote took place, I may have been working on the call switchboard at the time that they actually gave the keynote. So let's talk about iPhones from circa 2007. Or, or do you want to talk a little bit about follow-up first? We have that in the outline, and we haven't decided, do we talk about follow-up before or after the main topic? I think we go before. What do you think? Sweet. Yep. Okay, yeah. I was hoping you were going to say that because <laughs> follow-up is one of those things that's easy to overlook if you try to get to it at the end. We'll forget. <laughs> now, in the meantime, since uh, episode one you picked up a new MacBook. I did. And it was funny, you know, obviously we were talking about it last week and uh, I've been, for the last year, since the iPad Pro came out, I've been pretty much iOS only. And I, I, I was on the fence about getting a laptop. The The reason I bought one is I've picked up some, a few little new pieces of uh, freelance writing. Uh, and so when you're writing for other, other people, obviously when it's my own site and I'm writing up my own blog, I can get by with, with an iPad. But when you're having to use kind of other other people's content management systems like WordPress, it becomes a bit of a headache trying to do that stuff on iOS, Safari. Hmm. I didn't really, I had some crashes and also I'd shared a few things, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd read around and, and, and had feedback from other people that write, that they write for the publication that it was a bit of a nightmare. Hmm. So I ended up getting myself a MacBook. I picked up the same one you have, I think the 12 inch, uh, 20 it's a 2016 model yes yes i looked at a few different options uh, like, like we discussed last week i didn't even look at the macbook pro i still don't think they're they're great value for money and maybe a little overkill for writing mostly exactly yeah yeah for me i think it was overkill i, I, I liked something a bit smaller and lighter so i did look at the uh, macbook air again i did have an 11 inch air back in 20 
2011, uh, which I which I liked. Uh, but I picked up the Mac, but mainly because I bought it from the refurbished store, and it was only oh in dollars, it's probably about eighty dollars, maybe more than a MacBook Air 13. Interesting. For me, it was four hundred pounds off, so I'm not sure what that is in dollars now. Probably about five hundred dollars, maybe off the price of a new one. Okay. And it's the base M3 version, 8 gig of RAM, 256 SSD. And I only had it yesterday. So I've literally just been using it for, you know, a day. Um, and it's still got all the lovely iCloud photo library stuff going in the background, hmm. which is killing my my, uh, my bandwidth. The processor, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. I did some writing on it today. Keyboard's taken a little bit to get used to because it's... I think I think what it is, I don't think it's the key space, and I think it's the fact that the keyboard is narrower. The whole laptop is narrower than a than a MacBook Pro that I'm used to. Mm. So I'm feeling like my my hands are kind of a bit closer together when I'm typing. Right, you're looking for a place to rest the palms of your hands, and the spaces are cramped. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Once I'd gotten used to it, I was making the odd you know typo here and there, but it's fine. Yeah, absolutely fine. That's a nice laptop. I like the uh, really nice display on it. I think it's actually lighter than my iPad Pro. Hmm. Pretty sure it is, actually. I'm pretty sure it's lighter than my iPad Pro. So is it presently displacing what you use your iPad for, or do you think that that's going to balance out pretty quickly? I think I'll probably use them an equal amount, I think. I think I'll still use the iPad for consuming and for writing. I'll still use the iPad for doing some writing. But when it comes to up- updating the, the content management system, doing the images and things like that, then I'll be using using the MacBook. So I think probably it'll probably work out probably 50-50 in terms of between uh, between, between the MacBook and, and, and the iPad. It's a tug of war for me because I think that using the keyboard that comes on my Logitech Pro, uh, I think it's called the Logitech Create case with my iPad, is a very sweet setup for writing. And if I'm in a concentrated, focused environment where I want to just work on writing. I can do a lot in Ulysses or Byword for different kinds of articles. I try to uh, put them in silo, different silos. And I like to write on my iPad Pro, but it's usually because it is in response to something that I was reading on the iPad Pro. So if I'm sitting down for the evening reading or on the weekend reading and I'm enjoying a nice scotch or something and I just want to mull over good ideas and so I'm, I'm reading, I'm taking care of my RSS queue or my Instapaper queue or that ebook, then I might respond to what I was reading because a good idea comes to mind and so I start to write on the iPad. And that's a great experience because it's so fluid to it pulled out of the case it's it's so easy and that keyboard is so right i've used it for conferences and events as well and it feels very much like probably the last generation macbook keyboards that were smaller and chunkier the chunkier chiclet keys and i just really enjoyed that and but you have the other the apple keyboard case yeah, and we'll have to compare those sometime. But I can see the trade-offs and the pluses. I was wondering, do you think in the short term you'll also end up using your MacBook with an external display or keyboard? I don't think I'm going to use an external display because uh, I'd have to buy one, basically, because I use an iMac. So my previous iMac was a 2010. And with that one, you could use it as an external display. Uh, I've got a, my, my my desktop machine is a 5K iMac, and you can't use that as an external display. 
So I'd have to I'd have to buy a dedicated display for it. My MacBook's going to be the machine that I use if I want to write upstairs, you know, with you know, with my family rather than just being in the office on the iMac, you know, out of the way. <laughs> it's, it's it's a machine to be uh, a bit more social with, sat on the on the couch, you know, writing or or at the kitchen table and things like that. But it's going to take me a few a few days, I think, to get used to the the keyboard. But I can see me using it. At the, I can see me using it more than my iPad. For now, I think I'll probably use the Pro for... I like using the pencil to do outlines and do sketches. And, and you know, if I'm doing a, if I'm writing a story, it's a, it's, I like to brainstorm with the pencil rather than writing down in text, so I'll still use it for that, hmm. which is why I think it's probably going to be maybe 50-50 in terms of distribution between where I do my work. You say you use the pencil. We hadn't talked about the pencil. We're going to have to add that to the queue for future topics. Oh, that's such a good subject. Definitely. Yeah, I, I use it a lot. I use it for my freelancing work, but I also use it a lot in my day job as well. And we can go into that in 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 a, in a, in a later episode. But yeah, I really I, I love the I love the pencil and the iPad Pro. Hmm. So the MacBook that I have. One thing that I wanted to consider before I purchased it was that I will use my MacBook for a lot of writing, but of course also podcast editing and graphic design and occasionally for video production. And an excellent video that I watched from Matt's Macintosh on YouTube, the guy likes to field test old and new Mac hardware. So he's he's done some pretty interesting experiments and test drives on his YouTube channel. And he loves to use Final Cut Pro 10. And he was using it in its infancy. And he also used it on the MacBook, the 12-inch MacBook, just to see how well it would work when Final Cut 10 was a couple of years old, when he used it on the 15, uh, 2015 MacBook, just to see how well it would work. And he had very pleasant results. And he said, you know, in a bind, he would do it there. He obviously would prefer a Mac Pro that was state-of-the-art with a, the best processors and stuff. But he usually uses a MacBook Pro for Funnel Cut Pro 10 editing. Yeah. And if he was in a bind, though, and he was at a coffee shop and the project was light, he found that it actually wasn't too bad working off of the first-generation M processors in the 2015 MacBooks. And they are better now with the 2016 MacBooks. So after hearing his review, I felt pretty good about getting the 12-inch MacBook against all, all reason. I know that if I was checking out a official review website, they would not recommend using these MacBooks for any video editing or audio production. They, they would strongly discourage you from using the Creative Suite from Adobe there. But it was actually a pretty good experience so far. And we can talk about the debacle that happened to my 2015 MacBook another day. Okay. At one that ruined the machine. Really? Okay. <laughs> I look forward to that. Yeah. I blamed <laughs> the video editing software and the Adobe Creative Suite on it, but I, I was wrong. It wasn't their fault, y'all. And it really wasn't the processor's fault either. So that's a mystery for another day. <laughs> I do think you got the right writing machine. I have the one that has the Core M7 processor because okay. I'm doing all these things. But you have the 5K iMac. Yeah. And so if you're going to do anything else down the road, uh, I understand why that would be your powerhouse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, for, for my use, and just, just touching on the, on, just on the video and, and the audio, I want, one thing I'm going to do is put Logic Pro on, on the MacBook and do some, uh, some multi-track recording at some point. 
because I need to, I've got some new, some guitar gear in that I want to test. So I'm going to be using the MacBook for that just to see how it handles it. And I think it'll be fine because my, my 2011 Air used to be able to manage the kind of the audio side of things. In terms of video, if I do stuff on YouTube, for me, I think the MacBook could be fine as well because it's not, I'm not doing anything at a professional level from a video perspective. So it may bit, take a bit of time to export, but for my use, I think, I think it'll be fine. Like if I'm away from the desk, then I'm not going to have a problem using the MacBook <laughs> instead of the iMac. Okay, excellent. Well, then we'll follow up in a couple of weeks and we'll talk about writing and uh, your experience with the MacBook after a couple of weeks. We'll see where it goes. Sounds good. And I'm ready to discuss the... 10th anniversary of the iPhone, uh, 10 years, Lee, the time has flown by. I feel so old when I think about it this way, but I, I don't really feel like an old person. I don't have an old soul. Not yet. I'm, I'm getting there. But <laughs> The iPhone 7 doesn't make me feel old and neither does the first generation iPhone. But when I stop to remember that I was about 18 when the original iPod came out, then I feel old. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was a bit older than that. I think. Yeah, I do. I, I, the more I look back on stuff, especially around the iPhone, because that that was one that I really vividly remember. It doesn't feel like ten years ago. It really doesn't. Time just goes back, goes so quickly, especially when you're older. Were you an Apple fan back then? I was on the cusp of it. So basically, for me, I got into Apple via the iPod. So I was a big fan of the iPod. So I had the. I didn't have the original iPod. I had the one, this this the second gen, with the with with the the, the you know the, the the wheel on it, but the touch one rather than the one that the, the one that moved around. And but I had a PC. I was syncing it with a PC. And the reason I got into Apple was I like I loved the iPod, and and you know that gave me. I'd always looked on I looked at Apple stuff and and always kind of coveted it, but it was always a little bit out of the price range. And it wasn't until I got the iPad iPod that I realised the 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 kind of quality and service that you get. With along with you're not paying just for the product, you're paying for every, for for all the services around it. And I was getting very frustrated with my, I think I had a Dell at the time, which was a bit of a struggle trying to do music on it because what I found with a PC at the time was you would maybe do uh, do some guitar in one application, then you'd have to use another application to convert that into a different format to go into another application. So when I when I checked out a MacBook. And all the iLife, you know, garage band, with it all working so closely together. As soon as I saw that, I just jumped straight over to, over to the MacBook, and it wasn't until then that I that, that I got into Apple kind of big time. How about yourself? I was using Macintosh computers in the nineties. And I loved Apple when I discovered a couple of books that talked about the company, the rise and fall of that corporate empire, you know, the return of Steve Jobs. I read the books and I wasn't one to read many books, but the story was so compelling. I didn't really know much about their company. I wasn't paying attention to them in the news, but I loved the Macintosh computer. It was our first family computer and we used it until it died. Took it to Circuit City many times to get repairs. And it just ran like clockwork. It was fun. I, I played Super Munchers on that Macintosh Performa. We had Claris Works, the whole nine yards. You know, it was the 90s. And it was at the dark time when we were teased by all of our friends who had PCs and they thought we were backwards in our thinking. And I didn't really understand enough to know if they were right or wrong. I just knew that we were going to be the underdogs because we loved our Mac and we were going to defend it. Yep. And then I got away from computers in the late 90s 
And because I wanted to appreciate and enjoy the internet, I got a inexpensive Windows PC with 98, Windows 98, and I was just using it to access things like Yahoo Mail and a, the like, you know, I wanted to write people online, my friends, and it was precursor to the social networks and just writing email was incredibly liberating at the time yeah. so that you could keep up with people because it wasn't cool to talk to your friends on the phone, <laughs> even in two thousand, the year 2000. So when the iPod came around, I was quickly on board, but I was cheap and it was expensive. And I I wanted one, but I waited around until the shuffles came out. So my first iPod was a shuffle. And then I got the iPod mini when I couldn't help myself. And that was a wonderful machine. It was great to me. And then my first iPod Classic was the iPod Video. Yeah, I had one of those. Yeah, I got married in May of 2007. And so the, uh, the iPhone, the original iPhone had been announced. And I don't think it had come out yet, right? Because that came out in June. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was June. For, for you, yeah. For me, it was, uh, it was later on in that year. It was kind of November, December time, but... So in May, I got married and the iPhone was released in June. So I was poor and we were not buying iPhones. And my iPod video had been stolen out of my dressing room at our wedding. Oh, no. It was a bad year for those things, but it was a really good year. The honeymoon was great, everyone. I'm just saying. And I loved my new family. I loved having the new house. And I just, at a distance, I yearned for the iPhone, but I couldn't afford one. And I sadly used a Motorola Razor for a while yet. The Razor was, was a good phone, though. I mean, back in the day. It, was, it wasn't the phone I had to switch over to, uh, switch over to the iPhone. I had a Nokia N95. I think some of this is that, you know, even going back to what we were talking about, Max, it might be a UK-US thing because when I when I was at college, you know, in, in, in the 90s, late, kind, of, kind of late late 90s, it was it was all PC. We had a Mac lab which had some, some Macs in it, but there wasn't, it wasn't a huge amount of uh, Macs around, or you didn't really have a lot of access to them. I don't know if this is, again, I don't know if this is a UK thing, or just because maybe because Apple were on the down a little bit then, that they, they just weren't around. It wasn't till 2006, I think, 2007, around around the iPhone time, actually, that I, I really got my first uh, my first Mac. And the iPhone, you know, the, the again, the iPhone was the same, that availability when that came out wasn't wasn't amazing in the UK. It launched on one carrier, like it did in, in the States. We had it in November. It was unheard un- unheard of that uh, you, you you had to pay for a phone. You know, I, w- I was into a contract on my ninety five, and I was paying you know maybe thirty pounds a month. But we 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 didn't pay for phones outright back then. It was you just paid for your contract and you got your phone for free. So there was yeah, I couldn't I couldn't afford it at the time either as much as I wanted one. Plus, kind of the lack of three G on the first iPhone really kept me off that. Because my N ninety five is as as kind of kind of like old fashioned, I guess, compared to even the iPhone. You know, the iPhone came out; it was it was you know revolutionary. It was it was nothing like it. And and when I tried one, one of the original ones, went back to my N ninety five, and it seemed old fashioned straight away. But I couldn't I couldn't afford to go out and spend you know hundreds of pounds on a on a phone that year, especially one that didn't have fast data. There was a year or two I had to replace my first iBook, 
and it was around October that I was at a conference when the iBook screen just died, just stopped working. All the pixels turned rainbow colors. Oh, I've had that. Nightmare. Yeah. And so it was difficult, yeah, to to budget all the technologies. You got to remember, too, going back to the contracts that – Back in those days, we were ahead of the curve because we were interested in technology and we really wanted these things. But for our sensibilities at the time, at least ways most of my friends and where I was, if we were going to pick up an iPhone, we considered it this substantial investment. So we were going to use that thing for three, four, maybe even five years, we thought at the time, like, this is expensive, like we could have bought our wife some really nice jewelry with this money, but we are getting locked into a contract. We obviously cannot break contracts. That would be a cardinal sin. It, it, you can't do that. Nobody can break contracts with their phone. <laughs> so we thought that this was going to be a huge commitment with an iPhone. And what if it actually wasn't all that great? What if it was a pie in the sky idea? And the truth was that Apple was – maybe they were wrong about their approach to the touchscreen technology. Maybe they were wrong about not including copy and paste as a feature. Maybe the verdict was still out for iOS. So you could dip your toes in the water, but if you were going to sign up for a contract, you were you were not dipping your toes into the water. You were committing to this thing, thing for years to come. So it was scary to me, the uh, my cheap side of myself – because I, I liked having a, an inexpensive Razer phone, and I was really on board with the idea that the Apple would take the iPod line in the direction of the technology of the iPhone. So at the time, I was hoping for something that became the iPod Touch, and I was really on board with that as soon as it came out. I, I had the first iPod Touch in a f- couple of generations for every year after that, but I was using the flip phones until... I got my first iPhone, which we'll get to in a few minutes. But I wanted to go back to the announcement because that is where the fun is. That was what happened in January of 2007. Yes. Well, it's always kind of highlighted, isn't it, as Steve Jobs' finest moments, you know, on stage. You know, the confidence and presence that he had in that. Yeah, it was just him on top on top form, basically. How often do you watch it? I mean, do you go back to it for any research or did you watch it because of the 10th anniversary? I haven't watched... The whole thing end to end, including all the Apple TV stuff for a long time, but the famous iPhone section. So, three things. A widescreen iPod with touch controls, a revolutionary mobile phone, and a breakthrough internet communications device. An iPod, a phone, and an internet communicator. An iPod, a phone. Are you getting it? These are not three separate devices. This is one device. And we are calling it iPhone. Today, Today, Apple is going to reinvent the phone. Yeah, I've watched that recently. I tend to watch it every every few months. It'll it'll pop up, pop up in my playlist, in my in my YouTube playlist, and I'll watch it. Especially, you know, I, I as part of my role, my 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 day job, I, I talk to clients and stuff. And and I think for anyone who does public speaking, it's good to watch. 
from the way he holds himself and and his body language and you can just tell you know he's genuine and he's he's got a genuine passion passion for what he's doing and 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 the product i think just from someone who does does any public speaking is is a good bit of homework it is one of my favorites too steve in general had a great presence on most of the keynotes and if you go back to things in the 90s even the 80s when he was nice and young the, he uh, felt dated, you know, the products were not nearly as interesting, but he had a lot of that gravitas even at an early age and a presence. Yeah, think about the 1984 Macintosh announcement, and it's just really entertaining to watch how he was introducing this computer that he believed was monumental and it was going to change the computer industry. He didn't know how the Macintosh might be changed later. And it might be revolutionized, but at the time he recognized that the GUI interface, what they had used and uh, you know created from the Xerox version of their computer interface at Apple, and you know, his idea of uh, at the time making two different factions within Apple war against each other for uh, the future of computing. I think he understood just how epic the changes were going to be with that computer. And that kind of story was still unfolding with things like the iPod Classic and the the iMac and what he wanted to do with Mac OS X. And someone recently was saying on a podcast that it was clear that Steve – we think that Steve was a huge advocate of the Mac. Like he – even today, if he was around, he would still be a guy who really was invested in computers – desktop computers and mobile computers like the MacBook, like he would want Apple to be passionate about making these great devices and not just sidetracked and consumed with mobile devices that just run things like iOS. But you see this culmination of the man when he knows from experience that he is introducing something that is going to be great and revolutionize our daily lives again with iOS and the first generation iPhone. He had tasted the sweet, sweet experience of revolutionizing our daily lives. And he knew he was about to do it again. Yeah. yeah. So he carries himself with experience and excitement and enthusiasm that is just really infectious. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many good stories as well around, if you hear the story around the engineers that were drinking in the in the auditorium yeah. every time something didn't something work basically because it was they were like there were there were certain paths that steve jobs could take to make the phone work and if he went off either side of that the phone would probably just fall apart and he was still just confident in doing it the developers you know they, they were like having drinks i think every every time something something worked but i mean i remember just seeing just something really it sounds really really kind of simple now but things like you know the lock screen slide to unlock just that demo had everybody cheering and we're you know i remember like seeing 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 that at the time and being impressed with with the ui and especially the the ipod because i was a big fan of the ipod you know like yourself and seeing the cover flow yeah you know seeing all that stuff oh yeah it, i and, forgot that ipods had cover flow yeah this is kind of that early ios a lot of us had maybe played with touchscreens before and i know i i, I didn't have a touchscreen phone but I knew I knew a few people that were in work that had touchscreen phones, and they were awful. They they you know that the, the touchscreens were awful on them. And then when the iPhone came along, all you had until you tried one, all you had to compare it to was 
the touchscreens that that you're used to, and and not the capacitive touchscreens. But as soon as you as soon as you tried the uh, the, the touchscreen on the iPhone, it just felt like you were touching, you know, the the OS. You know, you just, you just felt connected to it where you, where you didn't before. It always felt like there was a barrier between you and the interaction on on screen because of the the, the touchscreen technology. And another thing relating to what we were saying with Steve and the vision that that Apple was preparing for and presenting to the world, I remember one of the more interesting details about Apple history that is easily overlooked is that if you go back to the 80s, there were occasions when Apple was describing what they wanted for the future of computing. And what they wanted sounded a lot like iPads. Yeah. They imagined that the future computer was something that was in your hand and you would manage it like you would a book. And they were talking about that in the 80s. And a lot of people, they were overlooking that detail because nothing became of it. Nothing was there in the 80s and 90s. But that was, that was a vision that they stuck with a long time that not a lot of people were discussing. But we had styluses. We had the Apple had the Newton and the stylus. And I think that they were really thinking that there would be an iterative process between something like the Newton and something like the iPad. But that didn't happen because of the breakdown of, well, we, we know the history. But there was that point in time I find also interesting, one of those other stories behind the scenes where they kind of figured out the capacitive touch technology for what they thought would be something that eventually became the iPad back in 2004, 5, or 6. I think it was probably 2004 if I remember the, the timeline. And they were showing it to Steve for this hypothetical iPad-like device. Here we can do capacitive touch on a screen. And what do you think about moving in that direction of the handheld computer the way we imagined? And Steve was like, yes, 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 let's do this. But let's not do this for the tablet-like device. Microsoft was doing that at the time. They were supposedly doing that at the time. They had a stylus device. I don't remember what year it was. <laughs> Microsoft were doing their own tablets, you know, before the before the iPad. But I can't I can't remember what they were. I can't remember what they were called. I remember being on business trips at the time and and seeing people using them, but they were they weren't very good. I mean, the screen technology wasn't where where, where the iPad was. And I think that Steve and Apple wanted to show Microsoft up again. That was still something that they were passionate about, and people at Apple still felt very strongly that they had a way to prove themselves with better technology, better hardware and software and show Microsoft up again. And that was where Microsoft was. They were thinking about tablets at the time. And then Steve and the others decided, we'll take this direction into the iPod direction. We'll take this towards the, uh, the phones before we go to the tablets. So they shelved the idea of the iPad for the time being and they pursued the vision for the iPhone. And I'm really glad that they did. It it worked out really well for them. <laughs> the, the iPad keynote was was probably apart from the the subsequent iPhone keynote, so the 3G, 3GS. The, the the iPad one was one that I really remember and one that sticks out for me almost like the iPhone one does, just because it was such a it's such a big product, you know, and it's it's had a big impact on 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 me as well. You know, that using the iPad, it's it, that, that that's one that we can we can add to our list of future topics. I think is is iPad launch. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, I think it'd be interesting to see if if it was the other way around. But 
because the the iPad the iPhone got us all ready for the iPad in terms of you know knowing how to use the App Store and all that kind of stuff. But. So, what did you think of the feature set for the iPhone then? What was striking to you? For me, the the biggest thing for me was I was using uh, an iPod, and I had a phone. I had a, you know this Nokia phone, and for a while I'd been thinking oh, it'd be great to have these in one thing because I tried to listen to music, and I did actually listen to music on memory cards at the time on my Nokia, but it, it wasn't a great experience. I'd always preferred to listen to it on my on my iPod. So as soon as the biggest thing for me was the music side of it. I didn't. There wasn't a, the app store wasn't around. Remember when it came out? So I did use one, and I was blown away by it. I couldn't because I was in in a contract, and I couldn't I couldn't afford to to buy one at the time. I just thought, well, I'll, I'll wait for the next version when I'm out of my contract. But what sold me was initially was the music side of it. I was impressed generally with the UI, but it it wasn't until the 3G and the apps came along that I think it really took off. Yeah, there were many trade-offs for the features, and they weren't the kind of things that we would look at now. you got to remember that technology was in a different place. The quality of cameras, the accessibility you had to your music, say, in your car or on headphones, you got to remember a lot of this was – this was a time when Bluetooth was still relatively young, and you were thinking about – the Bluetooth like phone technology more so than you were thinking about listening to music with Bluetooth devices. Yeah. The it came with a two megapixel camera yep. that was pretty good at the time, not the greatest, but pretty awesome at the time. And you gotta think about the bulk of the device carrying it in your pocket in your person. It's it was an internet communicator, but the speed, the bandwidth wasn't the greatest. It was interesting. Um then that was one of the things in the keynote where when they said that this has got a touchscreen iPod, that it's also a a new kind of smartphone, but it's also an internet communications device. Of those three features that they were promoting when they announced the phone, they got a huge applause to this new version of an iPod. They got a huge applause for the idea of introducing an Apple phone. And not the greatest amount of applause for the internet communications factor, but that is the one that became the most important with time. Synchronizing everything, the app store, the ability to share on social networks, like the nothing about smartphone technology would be where it is today, apart from how well it is able to gather stuff off the internet and let people use the internet. And I think that a lot of people would be still in the market for a device that was an internet communicator that didn't feature things like the phone or even the music features. People would still buy a device just for all the other things. Imagine an an iPhone-like device, Lee, that doesn't make phone calls. Well, that's an iPod Touch and people would buy it. And I think that if there was an iPod Touch that even didn't have the music features, but everything else, the accessibility to the App Store and the camera, oh, wow. I mean, people would still buy the thing. And in 2007, it's funny, but my have the tables reversed. This this thing was – this was in an era when we thought everything had to be about local storage and something like syncing it to iTunes on the Mac. 
So we weren't thinking, we weren't thinking fourth dimensionally yet about the future prospect of using the internet on these things. No, I mean, one of the things that kind of sold it, the potential of it was back, you know, when I, when I had my, my Nokia, you'd look at a web page and you, 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 you probably remember this. You just look at a web page and all it was, it was, it was a text list of links. I thought the internet was incoherent. I could not follow it on a smartphone then. No, it was just like looking at a... A, a spew. Yeah, it was just a load of text. And then I remember firing up the iPhone and going to like the BBC website or something like that, you know, just, just picking a site. And I thought, oh, that looks like the internet. That kind of looks like how it does on my computer. Whereas my smartphone just looks like a load of text on a, on a, rammed on a page. And then I saw the email application, you know, the email app, and I could see... Okay, I could I can do email on it. Uh, you know, phone. You know, even even then, I wasn't making a huge amount of phone calls on, on 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 it. Really, as more messages and stuff. And for me, yeah, like you're talking about the internet communicator. That that was massive. You know, when when you think about how that's changed things. You know, especially with you know, if you think about the impact of flash. You know, and H, going away and HTML five. You know, coming to the fore a bit all. Pretty much not all because of of the iPad and and the iPhone, but you know, there's the famous you know, letter, isn't there, from from uh, Steve Jobs around Flash, not not allowing Flash on iOS. <laughs> but it changed. It didn't just change smartphones. It changed the web, you know, in some respects. You, you, you just can't... You can't really imagine where we'd be without it, really, now. You know, maybe someone else would have got there, but, I mean, who knows? And I do appreciate the pioneers that were behind the original iPhone uh, and on no one special to hear it from me if anyone rem- remotely connected to Apple was listening to the show and had something to do with the iPhone, I would want to say a huge thank you because those are some of the people I I esteem the most from the last portion of my life. Just the incredible work that they did. It must have been a huge challenge, a mental hurdle and a cr- exhaustive engineering feat to think outside of the box that you are not just taking things that are common and putting them together in a new combination. You're actually using things that have not become mainstream. Lots of things that are not mainstream. You're thinking this has got to be useful and important to other people, but you haven't introduced these technologies yet in such a way that people can really appreciate. So Nobody really could appreciate multi-touch technology and how revolutionary it would be until they had used the thing. But Apple was working on it behind the scenes for years, staking a lot on the claim that this was going to be huge. And that, that, is, that, is, that takes a lot of gumption that I admire. So I really have a lot of respect for the people. They, sh- they should just be given lifetime o- achievement awards for what they did with the iPhone. I wouldn't disagree. And I mean, personally, I had a big impact on my career as well, you know, in terms of getting into into freelance writing. And, you know, I'd always worked, I'd worked in, in in IT for quite a while, but I was never really into it outside of work until until I started getting into Apple stuff, and especially the iPhone and the iPad got me into into doing a lot of what I do outside of my kind of nine to five now. So it's changed a lot. I mean, it's had a big impact on on, on, on me personally as well. I I really have loved the iPhone over the years, and I know it has influenced me. It hasn't created jobs for me. I don't work in the industry. I've often wondered I'd love to work at Apple. 
I don't know, maybe there's a feature there, who knows. But I thought that this was going to substantially improve the quality of life. And it certainly has in so many different ways, in the way that it influenced culture, the way that people think, the way it motivated this generation, the innovations that were sparked because of this kind of technology, the iPods, but especially the iPhone. It just makes computing of all categories far more enjoyable. It is like the – it has been the glass of ice water in hell. Yeah. It, it was a great thing to have for the last 10 years. I, I can't imagine the world without this. The way it influenced video games, the way it's influenced just podcasts. Podcasts were pretty good without the iPhone, but – just infinitely more valuable and part of life now with the iPhone. And I think cars, I think the car industry is better for having the iPhone. So I, I don't know. I can't imagine con managing my recipes. I can't imagine using a calculator. I can't imagine using YouTube apart from the iPhone's effect. No, I mean, you know, I run a, I run a, a blog and, and I can see the traffic coming into the site and you know 90% of it is mobile and that that didn't didn't happen you know back in the day I think it was mobile data like you said YouTube watching YouTube on your phone browsing the web mobile people have just gotten used to doing it so it's had a huge impact I mean it's had a huge impact in lots of areas is there anything about the first generation iPhone you thought immediately you would like to have had differently if you were getting the thing and you were in the market, was there one feature that you just really missed? For me, it was the lack of 3G in the original one. That's really what kept me breaking the contract I was in and, and, and getting one because I knew I knew that it was inevitable that they'd bring out a version with 3G support. And I'd gotten so used to having that data, uh, that fast data, even though thinking back on it now, it probably isn't that fast now, but it seemed like it at the time, you know, for on, on my old phone that I, I didn't want to switch. Such a deal breaker. Yeah, it, it was it was so expensive. It was expensive to buy, and I would have had a broker contract, and I was getting less than what I had already in in the phone I had, even though the UI and everything was wasn't anywhere near what the iPhone was. But the the, the data wise, the three G, I just couldn't. Uh, I just, I, it just seemed like a step backwards to me from 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 a from a data perspective. As much as I wanted it, so I kept with my my iPod and a and a separate phone until the three G came out. I cannot really complain about anything with the first gen iPhone because I I am vested in technology, but I'm not a huge specs guy. So I, I don't usually review specs to find out if it has the one thing that is uh, going to improve the performance up to the like the state of the art levels. But one thing I would have really liked and I still would like, and one of these days Apple's going to give it to me, is a pair of black earpods. <laughs> I was so annoyed that they were using the iPod colored white earpods and then they came out with a black iPhone device and that was a beautiful device, but I always wanted it to have matching Apple earpods. I understand the symbology, like how, as a symbol, the white ear pods were part of the core of Apple at the time, that they were used in the iTunes commercials, you saw them in the streets, and the ear pods 
were a big deal to Apple's branding at the time. They were. But I really wanted Apple's standard of AirPods in black. And I still want it. In a day and age when we can have just incredible wireless AirPods, I don't see how Apple has not offered a, a, a color option for white or black for your iPhone set today. Just It would be great. And I think a lot of people would buy a different colored set of AirPods. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a bit more uh, subtle, I guess, in black with, with, the, with the AirPods, but I think you'll be waiting a long time for that. I don't think, they can, I don't think they'll bring out any color other than white on, on headphones. I know. Well, Lee, I think that's going to wrap it up for this discussion. Thank you very much. Where would you like people to find you online? Best place to find me is probably going to be Twitter, and that's LJPUK. And, and my, uh, my blog is the same name, LJPUK.com. Yeah, and you've explained it to me before, but if anyone is wondering out there, like I was scratching your head, the UK part has to do with the UK, the United Kingdom, L- LJP is your initials, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. it, it, okay, it, okay. it, it it's easier to remember that way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that I did a while ago, and, and it's kind of it's kind of fitted now, you know, it's I've had it for, I've had that kind of handle for, for quite a while now. It took me longer to figure out than I it should. <laughs> I was thinking LJP UK. That's a lot of initials to his name. <laughs> <laughs> and also your blog is by the same initials. It is. Yeah. And I am Joseph Darnell. I will try to blog a little bit more as the months ahead uh, come. I'm not doing a lot of that now though. So you can find me on Twitter. I am JCS Darnell on Twitter. You can also find our podcast at nightowl.fm slash applesauce. Just add an extra slash and the number two after it for this episode if you want to see it online and share it. Lee, thank you so much for having me on your podcast again. This has been great. (laughs) All right, till next time. Thanks for listening to Applesauce. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, everyone.